0: It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey.
1: What's up, y'all? Liv Moose here. Hey, what's up? This is Danny Wexelman. Hi, everyone.
0: I'm Steffi Smalls. What's up, everyone? It's Ben Lindsay. This is Andrea Carter. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin. And you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays.
1: Hello everybody, welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today, whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thanks so much, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching and listening, and, and welcome in a, another guest back back to the program today, one that we've had on in the early parts of the show, We're talking talking Jaguars today, we dive into some more NFL topics with, with John Shipley. John, what's up, brother?
0: Hey, doing good, man. How you doing?
1: Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. We're both, both coming off a little... Well, R and yeah. R, R and R, which was much needed. So we're ready. I,
0: just, I literally was just about to say exactly much needed.
1: <laughs> so we're uh, we're ready to dive back in and talk a little football now.
0: Yes, sir. Always.
1: <laughs> so I want to start off with you talking about the draft. Just had it at the end of last month, and just talking about Trevor Lawrence. He was the he was the slammed up number one yeah. pick, which we talked about last time on the show whenever I had you. But what what have you kind of heard from the coaching staff we've got had the rookie rookie mini camps already just what's the vibe kind of been around him in jacksonville so far and and kind of the momentum that he's carrying into the season
0: yeah no it's uh as advertised you know it's really been uh, you know the way it's been you know described a really uh you know a, a lot of things you know, times in the NFL, you know coaches will tell you that it isn't often but you know you'll draft a guy and you know you'll get him right you know at the very start you'll see okay, we, we didn't exactly get the player, you know, or maybe even, you know, the, the kind of locker room presence we thought we were getting. But that's certainly not the case here. You know, they, they basically have seen everything that, you know, they thought they'd see. Uh, he is on a bit of a pitch count. They said they're about 30 to 40 passes right now. You know, he has full range of motion and all that, but he did have that off-season shoulder uh, surgery. So, like, when they had the rookie minicamp about a week and a half ago, uh, he wasn't doing any handoffs. And that's not because he can't physically do it. But uh, they they just wanted to make sure he wasn't at risk of like, say, falling, you know, and, you know, falling on that shoulder or something like that while still recovering. But in terms of, you know, actually being able to throw the ball, you know, there was plenty of, uh, you know, already evidence of him, you know, dropping back and unforking passes. So I think he's been everything uh, on and off the field that uh, they uh, kind of wanted and expected so far.
1: So whenever we talk about one of – Whenever we get our franchise quarterback at number one, we want to surround him with some guys uh, there that, that he's familiar with. And, and Travis Etienne is that guy uh, there at number 25. A little bit of a surprising pick just just like from me just because of, of James Robinson and the success that he had last year. And then there's a couple other guys in the backfield as well, Carlos Hyde that, that signed. And now you add Travis Etienne to the room talking about Urban Meyer Saying that he could possibly be more of a third down back and that he worked a lot at wide receiver in, in the rookie mini camp as well. What what do you envision his role being in, in this first year with the Jaguars? And then as we move forward, years two and three, possibly getting a lot more touches in the backfield, but right now having to do sort of a timeshare deal with
0: James Robinson. I think by the end of the season he'll be the starting running back and I do think most of his snaps are gonna come out running back. The whole receiver mini camp thing was kinda of overblown because uh, you know, that was a rookie minicamp where they had eighteen players there. You know, the quarterback couldn't hand off. They had uh two offensive linemen. So, you know, what 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 exactly, you know, was he gonna do in the backfield, especially since he basically didn't run any routes from the wide receiver position at Clemson. That's, uh, you know, for the role they envision him, which is a guy who can both, you know, make a big impact both in the passing game and the receiving game. Uh, that's probably the biggest area he needs to work on, you know, running routes split out wide or split in the slot because Clemson simply didn't ask him to do a lot of it. You know, he caught the ball a ton the last two years, but most of those were, you know, screens or swing passes out of the backfield. So it makes a lot of sense for them to try him out there. I, I didn't think the pick was ultimately that surprising just because, you know, I've mentioned before, I'm not sure if on this podcast, but on other ones, uh, the Jaguars were going to add a you know, a running back in the draft, the top running back I thought that would be on the board would be ETN because the one thing they were missing in their backfield was kind of, you know, that home run explosive element. Uh, James Robinson is a phenomenal back, but, you know, he's just not exactly that kind of home run hitter. Uh, Carlos Hyde isn't an explosive option either. So they, they openly admitted going into the offseason that they wanted to get more explosive at running back. And, you know, there's not many running backs that accomplish that more than ETN. So it wasn't really a pick that surprised me, especially because, uh, you know, Meyer after the draft admitted that uh, Kadarius Tony was another guy he wanted. So it really seemed and seems like you know that kind of offensive dual threat guy was somebody he just wanted at number twenty five. And when you think about people who can make dual impacts as both a runner and receiver, uh, ETN's right up there with anybody in the draft class.
1: One of the, one of the things that, that struck me on the on the wide receiver front with ETN, like you mentioned, is he he was a great pass catcher out of the back foot at Clemson, but he wasn't asked to to run those routes like he's probably gonna be asked to do in Jacksonville that would be a really good thing but where do you kind of envision the as we start out the season kind of the, the percentage of touches for Robinson and ETN
0: I'd say probably I'll go fifty five percent ETN 30 Robinson fifteen high I think, I, I think
1: that sounds about right yeah that that sounds like a, a really good number to me yeah, i I,
0: and, I i think etn's gonna just because of both his versatility and the fact that he's just the most explosive and most athletic guy i think he's going to be on the field the most
1: yeah i, I, I think so as well and, and looking at the jaguars you know later round draft picks added some some depth in the secondary with with tyson campbell can be a nice um, possibly, you know, being on the field with, with C.J. Henderson there at the same time, and then adding some depth of the offensive line and Walker Little there in the second round. Andre Sisco, safety from Syracuse, and then you have the defensive tackle from USC, Tufole there, and then you get into the to the guys that they're going to have to get in and, and earn their spot. But who are who are some of those outside of the first round picks that, that have the potential? to come in and possibly start right away, we start talking about Walker Little, sureing up the offensive line, and then Tyson Campbell as well,
0: who could be on the field pretty early. I think Campbell will probably be one of their top three cornerbacks early on, along with, you know, uh, Shaquille Griffin and CJ Henderson. Uh, you know, whether he's playing in a nickel on the outside, you know, still remains to be seen, but I think he's going to be on the field a lot. Uh, Walker Little is actually a guy who I think was more of a future pick. I don't think he's going to play much as a rookie. Uh, you know, they franchise tab Cam Robinson. I think, uh, you know, they're going to have him starting a year at left tackle. And, you know, so far, you know, from Little, from the looks of it, has been exclusively, you know, left tackle in practice. I don't think that, uh, and they even mentioned, uh, after you know they drafted him, that what they were looking for was you know a backup left tackle who has the potential to start at left tackle down the road. So I think he's going to be a backup this year and play more down the road. I think if Cisco uh, can be healthy, that he uh, has potential to be a day one starter. But I think a lot of the guys uh, in this class, you were you know guys who can you know probably play a lot as rookies, but probably will be looked at more as impact guys down the road than you know maybe potentially now.
1: One of the one of the the all season moves that's garnered a lot of attention is the is the Tim Tebow signing. What what are your early impressions of that? Does he have what does he kind of need to do to to try to make the roster? Not really sure what exactly Urban Meyer's going to ask him to do. I know he does. You know when we think about his career, his career at Florida, Ohio State, he does everything for a reason. He brings in Tim Tebow, possibly kind of a culture guy. you know one of the Kind of building the culture, what he wants to build there. What is it? Was it going to take for him to to be to be on the the roster in mm-hmm. week one? Because we start talking, we start looking at his game. You know, I think about when when's the last when's the last time he's you know had to throw a block by like being the tight end, yeah. running running the route tree, different things like that. So what do you kind of vision his role in camp being, and then what are you ultimately? will determine as to whether or not he makes the roster.
0: I mean, I I, I think, you know, he's going to have to prove he can hang, you know, back with the speed, you know, of the NFL. You know, obviously, you know, he's a guy who has shown he can play in the NFL before, but quarterback and tight end are two completely different things, you know, and there's been quarterbacks who have transitioned to tight ends. You know, Logan Thomas has been, you know, a popular example, but, you know, not many people have tried to attempt to do it in the NFL when they're, you know, on the cusp, of turning 34 years old, so just showing that he can still hang with you know the speed of the game and the physicality of the game from a new position because you know no matter how physical of a runner at quarterback he was, uh, tight ends are completely different you know aspect you know linebackers, defensive linemen defensive backs it's it's all, all going to be much different for him. So I I, I think that's going to be one thing and you know just show that he belongs on the field. I think the worst thing that could happen is for Tebow you know to you know be falling over himself on the field and just looking like a guy who. You Know, doesn't look like he belongs out there, and then ma- and then making the team. I think that could lead to you know, uh, questions about Meyer's credibility. So, I think the biggest thing is for him to just look at least you know, semi competent, look like somebody who has the potential to you know, maybe be a death option. I, don- I don't think they're envisioning him as the answer to our tight end problems, more so as you know, a possible solution to some death issues.
1: One of the, the the articles that by you that, that just came out today that I would encourage. Uh, everybody to, to go read, and if you're listening or watching this, this will be on Wednesday. This will be on Friday. But Trevor Lawrence had, had never met, you know, Tim Tebow until until last week, and he just talked about is what a what a culture guy he is, what what a character guy. Where 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 would you rank that on on the reasons that that he was brought in? I would probably put it at the top of the list, just for for Tebow to just be around the guys be a real positive energy around them to kind of build the type of culture that Urban Meyer wants to build in Jacksonville in his first year?
0: I think it's probably up there, uh, you know, probably rivaling the fact that the Jaguars, you know, had a barren tight end room. You know, they, they had just four tight ends on the roster uh, before they signed Tebow. And, you know, they had a blocking tight end, Chris Mannhurts, who has 12 career catches and I believe 70 games. Uh, fifth round rookie, Luke Farrell, is a blocking tight end. James O'Sonnessy is, you know, a career. Uh, Backup tight end, and then you know Tyler Davis and Ben Ellison had five tight ends. My mistake, or two guys who were rookies last season, who you know just didn't do much from pass catching sense. So I, I think you know probably the culture is a big thing. Uh, Meyer, you know, uh, probably wants guys to see you know the kind of workers that he wants uh, because you know for all the questions around Tebow, nobody's ever questioned you know his work ethic on or off the field. So I'd imagine that's a big part of it. But I think uh, uh, Meyer trying to get creative. Uh, you know, trying to find some kind of solution at tight end after striking out uh, at all their attempts there previously uh, it's probably just a big of a reason.
1: When you, whenever you look at the the Jaguars schedule that just came out, there there's some, there's some some toughies on there uh, to begin with. You start out, you know, you start out with Houston. That, that's a winnable, probably a winnable game for the Jaguars. Then you get into a little bit of a tougher stretch: the Broncos, Cardinals. Bengals and Titans, and then you had to play Miami in there as well at home. When you look, when you look at the schedule as a whole, what what would you say the expectation uh, possibly is for for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and and those guys in, in the first year? Because the NFL, it's not it's not really like college football. And the NFL yeah. are 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 different in the fact, you know, college football you're not necessarily what your record is, you know, it's based on your schedule based on how you progress throughout the season. But in the NFL, you, you are what your record says you are. You know, I think to, to, to be in that conversation to make the playoffs. So what, what do you think is a a reasonable expectation for, for Jaguars fans going into this season?
0: I don't think a 6-11 and 11 season would be that negative. Uh, it would be, you know, a double-digit loss season, uh, you know, the ninth and ten years of shotgun as an owner. And that, of course, you know, any year in which you lose 11 games obviously isn't what you're aiming for. And that's obviously, you know, probably not what Urban Meyer signed on for and probably not what, you know, Trevor Lawrence expects as a rookie. But I think when you just look at the Jaguar schedule, you know, the experienced teams they're playing, the playoff-caliber teams, uh, their tough second uh, uh, second half of the season stretch. Uh, I, I think that, you know, they're going to be a team that's competitive week in and week out. And there'll be a couple games that they're just on the, you know, verge of winning. And they're going to be a team who, you know, I think next offseason, people are going to be talking about as a team that's ready to kind of take that leap and, you know, contend for the playoffs, contend for the division. But I think they're just a year away from it. So I think a 6-11 and 11 type season, you know, kind of, you know, uh, what the comparison I've been using is, uh, you know, the Chargers last season, you know. Uh, uh, Justin Herbert set a ton of records, you know, rookie passing records but they still ended up picking 13th overall their head coach got fired but they're still a team on the rise because you know they lost a lot of close games and they were in a lot of those games and they have a lot of talent so I think probably the best comparison is a season like that just because I think you know with how young they are how many rookies how many new faces I think they're probably a year away from really challenging teams
1: what what teams do you think were we here last year talking about you know they're they're on the rise they're a year away, kind of like what the what the Jaguars are this year, and teams that are ready to take that next step this season. I know you you just mentioned the Chargers with Justin Herbert. I mean, I also think about uh, another team that's there in Florida with the Dolphins taking the taking the next step with Tua, really starting to to build some weapons around him. Just added Jalen Waddle in the draft. So what what. What teams are the Jaguars kind of looking to to model themselves after maybe some comparable teams out there that are taking that rise this year that the Jaguars can look after this season during the offseason and say, hey, these are some teams that are comparable to what we had on the roster last year. We can go ahead and, and build around it for this year.
0: I'm not sure about any from this year. That's, that's something I have to think about. But, you know, one one thing I've been thinking a lot of, I, I think the Jaguars would be uh, extremely pleased if they had something a rebuild, you know, like the Buffalo Bills. You know, uh, Sean McDermott immediately went in there and the Bills, you know, they didn't win a, they, you know, they didn't go in there and blow teams out, you know, consistently his first season or two there. You know, they didn't you know, challenged deep for the playoffs, but they were never a bad team. You know, they're always a tough team. They went to the playoffs in 2017, faced the Jaguars in the wild card, you know, in his first season as a head coach. So I think, I really think a, you know, a situation like the Bills where, you know, maybe not a playoff appearance in year one, but at least looking like a competitive team that's on the rise in year one, that can gradually, you know, continue to improve and have their stock climb until eventually, you know, everything is, you know, hitting at the exact right time. And, you know, you, you see a team like the Bills last year advancing to the AFC championship. And I'd imagine, you know, there are a lot of people is probably number two pick in the AFC this year behind the Chiefs.
1: Where, where would you say the the strength of schedule is for the Jaguars this year? But to me, it, it's probably right in the middle of the pack. Not, it's not, you know, too terrible. It's not too terribly difficult, but it's not also very, you know, it's not, you know complex either with with a lot of hard teams that could be one of the the top schedules in the nfl but where where do you kind of rank the the jaguar schedule this season as a whole
0: uh, i i i would I, i'm i'm so you know like jaguars uh focus that you know other than the draft it's hard for me to really you know have a gauge for you know rest of the league so i'd have to look at you know how the rest of the team schedules are lined up but I, I think the jaguars you know they're first six weeks you know it's a relatively not that hard of a schedule you know they have uh, the Bengals on there they have the Texans they play the Dolphins in London The Dolphins are a good team but you know when you play a team in London it kind of evens out the playing field just because of the travel aspect but then you know the second half of the season uh, it's brutal you know they play a ton of playoff teams a ton of teams that won division titles last year Uh, they play the Colts and Titans twice during the second half of the season each so I I think it's a, a schedule that you you know, I could see it in the first half them kind of hitting the ground quickly and getting off a few wins. You know, early on in the Meyer and Lawrence era, but then you know maybe uh, down the road, you know that they start picking up more and more losses as the season goes on, just because you know as as the year goes on, their schedule gets tougher.
1: One of the the big you know things the past few days is is the Julio Jones situation and uh, him possibly him wanting out of Atlanta. What do you envision uh, the Jaguars giving him a look at all? Where where would he kind of fit uh, in their offense?
0: I, I don't think so, just because, uh, you know, for as much as the Jaguars have said that they don't, that they want to operate as a team that, you know, goes out there and wins in year one of this regime and they're not interested in, you know, uh, multi-year rebuilds, they haven't operated that way. You know, they've operated like, you know, they didn't, they didn't pass out a ton of, you know, big free agency contracts this offseason. You know, they spent a lot in free agency. That's because they did a lot of like deals in terms of quantity at the, you know, shore of their death. You know, they did a lot of long-term moves Uh, in the draft. A lot of their picks were long-term picks, you know, Uh, Tyson Campbell, a long-term pick Walker little, Andre Sisco, you know, all, all, all of those picks they really made, you know, with long-term developments in mind. So I just think they're on a different trajectory right now than uh, teams that are likely interested in Julio. I think teams that are interested in him are going to be ones that are going to try to make noise uh, this season or try to get over to Hump. Uh, I mean, I, I do think, you know, I, I think he'd still one of, the, one of the game's top receivers and he would instantly be there, you know, probably uh, there, you know, most talented receiver uh, they've ever had, and that's even including you know uh, legends like Jimmy Smith and Ken McCardell, who you know have great respect for. But Julio is just one of the best receivers of his generation for a reason. Uh, you know the NFL's all-time leader in yards per game for a reason, and he can still produce at an elite rate as long as he stays healthy. But I, I just don't really envision uh, them being players for him.
1: Is there is there anybody you know coming up in the at the end of this season, guys? Guys that are going to be free agents that 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 you know of that the Jaguars could possibly pursue there's a, probably going to be a, a lot of big names uh, out there in the free agency market after this year I know we you know we still got to get through this season first and kind of see where the Jaguars are but just off the the top of your head as we kind of enter uh, this uh, talking season here in May is, is there anybody after this season that Jaguars would like to pursue in free agency possibly
0: yeah, I, 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 again, I, you know, I had to look at the pool of free agents, but I think, you know, the two guys internally are, you know, DJ Chark and Cam Robinson, you know, uh, Robinson, you know, set to start at left tackle this year again. Uh, the Jaguars have talked him up a good bit this offseason, but they gave him the franchise tag instead of a multi-year contract for a reason, uh, you know, when his rookie contract ended, you know, they want to give him this one-year audition, but it definitely feels like a one-year kind of stopgap, albeit an, an expensive one for one year, you uh, you know, while they let Walker a little develop and while Trevor Lawrence is a rookie. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they address his contract situation after this season. And then uh, DJ Chark, you know, he's a, he went to a Pro Bowl in 2019. He has all the talent to be a number one receiver, but due to the team's, you know, kind of anemic offenses since he's been drafted, he hasn't been able to really consistently produce like that. So it remains to be seen, you know, do they see him as a long term piece? Do they want to commit a lot of money to him based on potential instead of production? So those are kind of questions they'll probably. Need the answer, yeah, no, I
1: need to answer Yeah, yeah i definitely agree with you i know cam robinson's been a been a great offensive lineman the past, past few years for the jaguars and then dj tart's been a very been a very productive player as well so that those would definitely be two guys two guys that i would consider you know jaguars wanting to to hold on to and, and build around for trevor lawrence but but john i go ahead and, and get you out of here and a Got somewhere to be, but tell everybody where they can find you on social media, where where they can read your work at Jaguar Report because you do an incredible job with that. And I just nice, really, pre- really appreciate you coming on again, and let's do it again soon.
0: Hey man. Th- thank you for having me on, man. I can't, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you do, you do a fantastic job with this, you know, and I, 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 I can recommend, you know, to everybody listening, I, I can't recommend it enough, uh, you know, to continue, you know, uh, supporting it, you know, you do a fantastic job. You can find me, uh, you know, at si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars or, you know, at Jaguar on Twitter. I'm, I'm at underscore John underscore Shipley. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the beat for the Jaguars. You know, I'm, doing stuff daily, you know, boots on the ground, uh, you know, doing my best to objectively uh, cover the team as a reporter. Well,
1: I really, pre- really appreciate you, John. You, you know that, and and definitely always always want to get you back as often as possible, brother.
0: Hey, appreciate it, man.
1: Thanks so much to John for coming on today, and thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Got everything covered. It's been a – it's a great time of year. There, There is no off-season in football, everybody. You know, college football, we got the transfer portal. NFL, we got – you know, we got the draft. We got signings going on. So there, there's never, there's never any off season. So there's always, always things to talk about in football. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.